This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and this is our View of the Opposition show. As I talk to someone who covers Fulham's opposition for the upcoming match, this episode I'll be talking to Alan Wares of the Albion Roar. He's on to give us the Brighton Hove Albion perspective for this upcoming match. Before I bring on Alan, I want to mention an interesting show that will be airing on Sunday in the U.S., and that is Promoted Fulham FC. This show will be on NBC Sports Network Sunday at 1.30 p.m. East Coast time. If you are a Fulham supporter in the U.S., I highly recommend you watching it, and I cannot wait to see it myself. Well, before we get going any further, I have to bring on my guest to the show. Alan, welcome to Cottage Talk. Thanks very much, Russell. Good to be on here, mate. Well, listen, I cannot wait to talk to you about Brighton and Hove Albion. Before we do that, just tell us a little bit about the show that you've been doing for a while now. Okay, yeah, sure. I mean, it's uh, it's called the Albion Raw. It's um, it's on community radio station here in in the city of Brighton and Hove. Um, we've been doing it for about ten years. It's just basically myself and my colleague Aidy Packham uh, waffling for senselessly for a, an hour about the album. We will have regular guests on. We'll have opposition fans on. We'll have ex players. We'll have current fans. We'll have members of staff. We'll have players on. And it's just an Albion theme show uh, sponsored by our good friend uh, Phil Shelley from OldFootballShirts.com. Um, the largest uh, online gallery of football shirts. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. And I would highly recommend listening to it as a film supporter. I actually listened to it. I thoroughly enjoyed your episode from last week, Alan. So like we were talking about off air before we started recording this, let's start here because I think there's a very interesting history with film and Brighton Hove Albion in recent years. So you shared a yeah. story with me. Let's start with you because you told me that you believe that the turnaround for Brighton Hove Albion actually began at Craven Cottage. Well, quite. I mean, to, to set the perspective, I mean, so we've been in the, the Falmouth Stadium for about six, seven years now, and we'd always had some good seasons. You know, we, we, we got promoted, you know, when we moved in, and, and we, you know, we, we'd always finish in the top half, except for one anomalous season under Sammy Hoopier, where we just crashed and burned, and no one seemed to know what we were doing. and 
Chris Hewton came in halfway through the season and then basically did a bit of a salvage job. But, you know, we, we, relegation was was over, looking over our shoulder, but, you know, we were safe with about a few games to go. So the following season, I think our first away game was away at Craven Cottage. It was a lovely, sunny August afternoon. You know, it was this, this beautiful haze that you get in, in on, on the banks of the Thames, a couple of beers in Putney first and then go to the game. And, you know, we're, we're full of a certain amount of trepidation because, you know, we were so dreadful the previous season. Uh, and Fulham and themselves are no mugs. And we played really well. We went 1-0 up. Bruno played the ball to Sam Bordock, who hooked the ball home brilliantly. I can tell you that the, the Fulham equaliser was brilliant. I could not tell you who scored it. Uh, but it was right in front of us at the Putney end. And, and, and the game was kind of petering out to a draw. And it, uh, I think Kazenga Lawalawa, he, he went on an amazing run. Uh, was brought down. Tom Hammond sticks the penalty away. 93rd minute. Putney end goes mad. But for me, the, the way that we played was such a an almighty chasm between the style that we played at Fulham, which was so much more competitive. Everyone seemed to know their job. Um, and it was a much more even game than the one we feared. Um, and I think people just realised that, you know, there was something about Chris Hewitt and the fact that he's a good manager and he's got everyone facing the same direction and, and playing. So for me, it was a kind of a, we bottomed out and Fulham was a, a a key away victory that I think really kick-started our season, you know, and, and which, you know, culminated in us missing out on promotion on the last day. Okay, very good. And that's interesting for you to share that because now I'm going to share two matches the next season that were my indication that Fulham were headed in the right direction. They were both against Brighton. The match at the MX Stadium where Fulham dominated play in the first half, but Brighton found a way to win, got some key goals, and next thing you know, they get the victory. And then you have the game at Craven Cottage that was pretty similar. But in both matches, I looked at Brighton Hove Albion as the team for Fulham to try to become, not style-wise, but to figure out ways to win. That, to me, was what you were about. That's just my opinion on Brighton Hove Albion. They would always find a way to win. So I've used Brighton Hove Albion as an example so many times on Cottage Talk. So, Alan, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts about those two matches. Do you see where I'm going on that with Fulham and Brighton Hove Albion? I totally am, and actually, to be honest with you, those those two particular games for the first seventy minutes, Fulham absolutely stuffed us. How it was only one nil after seventy minutes, I will never know. You should have been in both games, probably three four nil up, and it was just fast, good, attractive football. I mean, I was kind of, I actually couldn't help feeling that Fulham seriously underachieved that season because you know they absolutely stuffed us for seventy minutes, yep. but couldn't find that killer second goal. If they'd have had done so, I think that would have been it. But in both cases, the, the game at the Amex, um, you know, it, it helped. I think sort of. Soon after half time, Sam Baldock puts in a, a great volley from the edge of the area. Um, and then I think the, the, the winner was Glenn Murray. I think yes. some of the Fulham defences stepped up and some hadn't, so it left him on his own. But the game up there, I mean, there's a, there's a lovely, I have to say this from a Bryant perspective, I'm sure it'll, it'll upset some of your Fulham listeners, <laughs> is there is a kind of a static camera um, at the, I think it's the Hammersmith end, you call it, the, the, the yep. far end from the Putney end. And it's it's the entire stand of Brighton fans, and it shows the, the stand cheering when the penalty goes in, which will get awarded. Because yep. Fulham had missed the, the point. Fulham had missed the penalty that game, um, and then about two minutes later, Lewis Dunk follows in uh, with a header, and it looks yep. like the Putney end's going to collapse. It goes absolutely mad, and we managed to hold on. How do we do it? I think it's built on a solid defence, and and yep. you know while Fulham were actually going sort of absolutely mad, cutting holes through us. 
Um, it was save after save. It was block after block. And I can't help feeling that Fulham just basically ran out of puff and said, you know, what have we got to do to score against these guys? And then, you know, we, we go up the other end and, and nick it from you. To be honest, it was daylight robbery. How much do I care? Not one jot. <laughs> but what's interesting about this, because the following season, last season, when I'm talking about Fulham needed to find ways to win, I would go back and look at how Brighton would do it. And I'm glad that you talked about the defense being disciplined. But for me, it would also be getting these goals just at the right possible time. And that is just how I looked at Brighton. And uh, that's why I see what you're doing now in the Premier League, and it's it's something to watch in the future. I think that you're headed in the right direction. And I look forward to seeing what Fulham can build on now that we're in the Premier League three matches in, I feel good about the direction we're going in. So it's interesting to look at both teams. And that's why I went, when I knew you were coming on, I wanted to talk a little bit about the history, the near history, the last few times we've played, because I think that they're very interesting in um, both of our histories. So certainly, There certainly are parallels. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I think Fulham have had the great, greater history. They've been in the top division longer. They've been in the top two tiers longer. They've had, well, they've had experience in Europe where we haven't. I mean, there is, if you're going to talk, I know you want to talk about the near history, but let's, yeah. let's rewind 60 years to Boxing Day 1958. Fulham provided the largest ever, well, it was, it was Brighton against Fulham, was the largest ever crowd for a Brighton and Hove Albion match. So, you know, there, there's, there's certainly a, a sort of, um, there's, there's parallels. I mean, like yeah. I say, we'll we acknowledge that Fulham is the bigger club in, in that sense. You know, it has the better history. But, you know, there's, uh, when, when, when we were going through the nonsense that we were going through, Fulham fans were very, very supportive. I mean, we, I remember we had an away game at Fulham. We were at the bottom of the third division, might have been the bottom of the fourth division even then. And Fulham fans joined us on a march from Victoria to the FA offices, you know, before That's the great. game up, up at Craven Cottage. So, you know, there is a history. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad that you shared that. Alan, all right, let's now get into this. Let's talk about Brighton's first three uh, Premier League matches this season. I, I just want to mention that I actually listened to Edie, your co-host on Love Sport, and he talked about it. And uh, it's funny because uh, I like the way that he talked about the last match against Liverpool because he was very encouraged even though you lost. You only held them to a goal, so that's very interesting. I want your take on all three matches, obviously, including the last one. Sure. I mean, yeah, Liverpool, we were much more encouraged. I think I think it was the, the, the fear factor, the fact they stuck nine passes last season. Uh, 5-1 down here, 4-0 up there. Admittedly, the players were on the beach a little bit at the end of last season. But, you know, you still have to be professional. This time around, yes, in the first half, the Liverpool players were on fire. They were doing really well. Second half, they seemed to run out of ideas. I think, you know, they, they, they genuinely looked a bit sloppy. And, and we could have actually nicked it. I mean, it wouldn't have been deserved. But, you know, again, not one jot was cared. Um, and we could have nicked something out of it. So it was a much more improved performance. And if you go back one game still, all right, Manchester United are in a bit of a I watched that, by the way. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a team to be picked off at the moment. They clearly have issues. They're, they're not, I mean, do never underestimate the whole concept of team unity. And they clearly are a team in a bit of a mess. You know, all right, they scored. I, I would say that the, the, the result, 3-2 to us, flattered them. We could have actually had a couple more. Um, but they offer very, very little. And again, it's down to discipline defending. But then if you go to the first game of the season, must we talk about it? It was dreadful. I mean, I, I'd seen a, a, a friendly the week before. We played Nantes. Um, and it was kind of almost paid at half, three-quarter pace. And then when we went to Watford the following week for the first game of the season, we played at the same pace. It was ridiculous. And Watford are there. They're busy. They're, you know, they're big. They're strong. They, you know, they, they, they're, 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 they're all together. And, you know, they've, I think they've won their first three games. 
uh, and they're looking good. And we just didn't turn up. So, you know, if it happens to be that we're only going to play poorly against um, uh, the, the lesser teams and, and well against the big six, then that bodes well for Fulham on Saturday. Okay, very good there, my friend. Yeah, listen, I, I watched the Manchester United match, and I was impressed with what I saw. I just saw bits and pieces of the Liverpool match, but that has to be encouraging going against that side. So Absolutely. definitely understand Absolutely. why you guys are uh, encouraged, but you should be. All right, let's now talk about a player that Fulham will link to. To be honest with you, I've been giving this a lot of thought, Alan. I, I want your take on this. Fulham were linked to Lewis Dunk a few seasons ago. In my opinion, I think Lewis Dunk and his agent were using Fulham to get a better deal out of Brighton Hove album. Call me crazy. That's what I think was going on. There was so much chatter about it. But um, let's just talk about him. I want your thoughts about him because he's off injured. And what does that mean for Brighton Hove Albion? Okay, I mean, I think that there was a genuine offer that came in for Lewis Dunk, and, and Lewis Dunk definitely features in the in the club's long-term plans. And I think at the time, um, Fulham had not long come down, so they were kind of a Premier League side in waiting. So therefore, the, the carrot was dangled to say, look, you know, come to us, you know, we'll, we'll be back in the Premier League in no time. As it transpires, we got there a, a season ahead, and I think that Lewis Dunk was actually one of the key players doing that. Was it about an agent getting? I think that I, I think that the that Lewis Dunk would have got a better deal anyway just by the fact that because we were that season ahead that we'd have been in the Premier League probably a bit, bit ahead of time. So I don't totally buy the whole agent thing, but, you know, okay. let's, be cyn- let's be cynical about it. I mean, obviously <laughs> you have to bear in mind that Lewis is a, is a Brighton lad anyway, yeah. and he's, he's done very well. He's the vice captain. In fact, when Bruno doesn't play, he's the skipper. Um, he's lost a lot of his tendencies to rush in and, and get yellow cards and be suspended and what have you. That said, the injury he picked up, yeah, very unfortunate. Hopefully he's only going to be out for only a couple more weeks. But his replacement, Leon Balogun, has actually stepped, on, uh, stepped up and done a brilliant job so far. And okay. I think that for those fans that have seen him play in those two games, one and three quarter games against Manchester United and against Liverpool, don't have too many worries. I mean, I think we'd still rather see Lewis dunk back because he does yeah. have a very good partnership with Shane Duffy. But I don't think we have too many issues with, with, with Balogun, the Nigerian international. Okay, I'm glad that you shared that because I was curious myself. All right, let's talk about a player that was uh, linked to Fulham, ended up going to Brighton Hove Albion. That was uh, Montoya. Again, I've watched bits and pieces. He looks like he's a, a very good player there, my friend. So talk about his impact so far with Brighton Hove Albion. Well, he's only, he's only played in the one game. Uh, no, he hasn't. He's played in two. No, and it, to be honest, he, he made it look, he, certainly against Manchester United, he made it look easy. It's almost like he seems to be over 10 years younger, and as much as he's, he was at Barcelona, as a, we got him from Valencia. I was actually looking at his, his, his career and his stats and what have you, and you think, hang on, he's played in the Champions League, he's played for Barcelona, he's played for Valencia. He turned down Liverpool a couple of years ago, and of all places he's come to in the Premier League, it's us. Yep. Now, there's a higher probability that we can actually guarantee in first-team time, but that's actually quite a coup, I think, that we've got there. Hmm. And he does look comfortable at right-back. He, he knows the game. He knows he's, Obviously, he's got to form a partnership with whoever's ahead of him. But again, we've got no problem. Obviously, Bruno is the captain. He's a fit as a butcher's dog. I mean, he's 38 in a couple of weeks, in a few weeks' time. Um, he can still go up and down like a, a, a greyhound. But Montoya... He makes it look fairly effortless, and this is a fellow who's only played, well, hadn't played in the Premier League before. So, right. again, you know, I think the fact that everyone did very well against Manchester United, Montoya just looks like someone who'd been there for ages. So, again, we have few problems with him, you know, a few issues. Okay, very good. I've been reading a few articles, and you can definitely talk about this. Some of the new additions to Brighton Hove Albion still need some time. According to Hewton, is that correct? 
I think he I wants think these so, players yeah. to, to be given a chance a little bit. They just need some more so. time. Yeah, I think so. Jack and Bach, who was, who was playing for Iran in the World Cup, he looks like, I mean, he, we got him from um, from the Eredivisie, uh, where he was last season's uh, top scorer in that division. He does look as though he's sort of still adjusting a little bit. Um, I do know a friend of ours who, who's, uh, who used to be uh, assistant manager at Brighton, and he's now a driving instructor locally and, and was asked to actually take him on for driving lessons, just probably if nothing else, because we drive on the other side of the road here. Um, so... <laughs> Just to get him, help him get acclimatised. So I think that Jack and Bach will be someone who, who will fit in eventually. I mean, he's looking a little bit sort of, not lost, but you know, he's he's still finding his feet. Eve Basuma, uh, a, a fellow we, we picked up from uh, a Malian player we picked up from uh, somewhere in Germany, Leipzig in Germany. Um, he looks very exciting, uh, a little bit sort of zealous, overzealous sometimes, but you know, he's got some twinkle toes. So you know, th- th- there might be an issue as to how he's going to fit in on just on the fact that Pascal Gross is actually our main man in that particular position. Um, no problem with Balogun, no problem with Montoya. Um, and, you know, then the rest are kind of backup players. So, you know, Lacardia is someone we picked up last year, um, but Glenn Murray's keeping him out of the team. So it's, it's you know, the, the, the signings, yes, they will take a couple of, uh, a few few weeks maybe, or few, you know, to, to bed in and get used to the pace and, the, and, the, and what's expected of them and what have you. But, um you know the, the the signs are there. It's, it's it's. I don't think we've signed any any turkeys. Let's put it that way. Okay, very good. Okay, let's focus on the upcoming match. Who are your key players for Brighton Hove Albion against Fulham? I'll just share this. I know how old he is, but I always fear playing against Glenn Murray. Uh yeah, the um the aging bulldozer. Um, yeah, I mean he's 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 a sneaky fellow. He's a big, robust fellow. He still hasn't learned even at the age of thirty four the offside rule. Um, he is. He'll, he'll, he's, he's, he's lethal in, uh, as a six-yard sniffer. Um, what he's not is very mobile. So if you've, if you've got big lumbering players, then they, you're going to have a real sort of, you know, um, you know, sort of a demolition derby um, at, the, at, the, at the back there. But if you've got quick defenders who are neat ball players, then I wouldn't even necessarily consider that Glenn Murray would start. He probably will, but I wouldn't necessarily consider he definitely will because I think mobility is an issue. And at the Premier League, it's great to be a sort of a big lumbering number nine but you do need some some mobility. Now, Knockhart can provide that on one side. Solly March on the other side can as well. Um, and Pascal Gross can move about. And if, and if Pascal Gross um, is, is not on fire, then, then Basuma can play and there's plenty of movement there. So, you know, our, 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 our defensive line is kind of set up that, you know, the, 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 cent, the two centre-backs, you know, it's probably going to be Balogun and Duffy, right. are kind of unmovable rocks. And you've got the two central midfielders ahead of them, Stevens and Proper. Um, they're the kind of the, the real anchor of the team, and then hopefully after that, then you need some some movement, some mobility in the back, the left back, and the two wingers and the and the front guys. So it's it's kind of you know on the ball. Hopefully there's some mobility down the width. Off the ball, there is a solidity and discipline, which hopefully you know will, will still ring true. Because you know as much as we have to do that against Liverpool and Manchester City and Manchester United, we still have to do it against the likes of Fulham because they are still a very mobile, busy team, and I've seen them. Yeah, just real quick, not go into any detail. Uh, you said you've watched him a little bit. What what has been just your impression so far? Of what, sorry? Of Fulham. Just impression. You said you watched him a little bit. So, 
Well, I will, um, certainly in the games that we played in, in the season that we went up, and like okay. I say, I, I will say that you know I thought that, that their movement, their speed, uh, you know, there was it was absolutely incredible. And I'm thinking, yeah, the why aren't you guys challenging for the for the for the promotion? Um, and and the fact that you went up, I mean, what what disappointed me actually a little bit. I, I did watch the playoff final last year, uh, well last season. Yep. And I actually thought that Villa were there for the taking and, and, and Fulham got their goal. And then in the last 20 minutes, it was kind of Villa having a go at battering them. And, you know, I was, I, I, I mean, congratulations to Fulham. But, you know, it was one of those where it was more job done rather than, hey, that was great. Because I was expecting something far more sort of open and flowing. Um, and if you'd have done that against Aston Villa, you could have actually sort of put the game to bed on 60 minutes. Yeah. So it's, it's well, I was there. I'm kind of impressed by the, the, the having seen them over the past couple of years. And I'm not yeah. sure what you're doing now. And probably as as you're in the Premier League, you have to sort of consider and change your your, your approach to it a little bit, just on the fact that you're playing obviously a lot better teams. Mm-hmm. But when I saw them in the Championship, it was it was just incredible that you know of all things. I mean, they were my pre-season favourites last season to go to go straight up. So to go via the playoffs, I'm still thinking, why are they not doing so much better? Well, it's been an interesting start because if you look at the performances so far, there's so much positive to take from it. It's a brand new team brought in. All these new players obviously spent all the money that everyone's talking mm-hmm. about. But basically, the approach, Alan, has been, and it's funny because uh, I just watched this video that I was just telling you about, about the program, and Shai Khan's on this video, and he basically says, I'm paraphrasing, that uh, they took a hard look at the club this summer. And they made uh-huh. the decision, I'm paraphrasing, that they didn't just want to survive. They wanted to thrive. That's what he says in this video. And sure. that, to me, seems to be the direction that they're going because they had several very good championship players and some can step up and, and do a job in the Premier League. But I think that they were looking for upgrades everywhere. And that's kind of been the approach. But the style of play, Alan, is going to be similar, but it, they will have to adjust, obviously, to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. No, I mean the 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 point of sort of that I would say about that is, I mean, it's interesting to say they want to thrive rather than just survive. I suppose the difference there between Brighton and Fulham in that case is obviously Fulham have been in the in the Premier League sort of for for the, for the far past few years, apart from that sort of two or three seasons where you were down in the Championship. Whereas yep. for us, it's it's I mean we hadn't been in the top division since 1983. So in our case, you know, we were really I mean there was people obviously at Fulham before who were who had been working for the club with yep. the Premier League and there might have been a few players still there but in, with us you know I guess there was players with Premier League experience but not all under the same roof and, and, and so it was a kind of a little bit of an adventure for all of us and you know we're, we're, we're sort of you know nervous through the season hoping to pick up points here and points there and, sure. and when we did things like win at West Ham quite well and, and then pick up you know the first home win against West Brom and things like that you know they were exciting times for us but now reality kicks in and you realise that actually what Hewton's got to bring to the to the team, to the club, is an improvement. Not just on the back of, well, we can't actually afford to uh, just to sort of scrape over the line. But one would expect that with Tony Bloom, the chairman, with Paul Barber, the chief executive, with, with Chris Hewton, and, and, and all their ideals about what they want for Brighton and Hove Albion to achieve, it's absolutely imperative that last season must be nothing more than a you know it's it's a platform it's the bare minimum improvement I totally agree. is required the whole I mean, every, every time you every club would like to think that's going to be the case but it's not always possible because they don't right. get the player they want or this happens or that happens but we have that platform where we're because we're a second season premier league side now we can attract those players yes, Martin montoya being an obvious example if it was available this time last year we wouldn't have had a sniff of getting him 
right. now everything changes. But the point with Fulham is, is that because you've been a Premier League club in the past few years, you are probably still actually technically ahead of us, even though this is you're kind of sort of you know you're returning to you're a returning team. Right, but what's interesting about what we're talking about for Brighton and Hove Avenue, the way that I look at it, and I'm glad that you talked about last season being a platform, I completely agree with you because you don't want to turn into Sunderland, who are year after year just scraping by. You don't want to be that because eventually you're going to go down. And that, to me, you have to continually try to build from what you have, the base. Like you said, the platform. Keep building. You don't have to be looking like you want to be top six because – Listen, you're not going to be top six, but you, could, but you can say we're going to be fighting for top ten. And if you can say that and you can consistently build a team that is good enough for that, I think you can be in the Premier League for a long time. I, I like Chris Hewton. I think he's done an excellent job for you. You do have a platform. I don't see you going down. That's my opinion. I think that Brighton's got a bright future in the Premier League based on what I've watched the last couple of years and what I've seen now. And I'm I'm just saying this is just my opinion as an outsider. I don't see relegation as being an issue this season. I, I could be wrong, but I I look at Brighton Hove Albion. You are right. <laughs> I, I I understand that. I think, I think that I think that what we're looking for from this season is is that I mean we 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 were technically safe after we beat Manchester United. So that yeah. was three games to go. As it transpired. We were actually technically safe after we beaten Arsenal, and that was about eight games to go. But obviously, right. you know, you're expecting some teams to pick up some points and what have you. I think sort of an advancement for us is for us to be safe with, say, seven, right. eight, nine, ten games to go. Therefore, right. on, I'd on, like to on think the, the players wouldn't be on the beach, yeah. but at the very least, they'd be actually looking for next season and saying, OK, right, we've got a quarter of a season to go. We can really push on here. Now, I say top ten is, is, is a goal. I mean, it's not something you actually win. I mean, sure. you, know, you have to get seventh or eighth if you want to be in Europe. And, and, and all the, the, the transient problems you have with that, look at Burnley. I mean, they're in the Europa League. It's very exciting for them. They haven't been in Europe for, for, for you know, 50-plus years. It's very exciting for, for them to be there, absolutely. But it's going to have an effect on their season already. It I has. think they're kind of struggling, and you've seen that already. I saw that, to be honest with you. And what's interesting about Burnley and, and talking to the guys on the view of the opposition last week, and we're talking about, this balance. They need to get that balance right. And it could end tonight. We're recording this on Thursday before their Europa League match. And I wish them all the best. And I hope that they can get to the group stage. But if they do, they have to get the balance right. And it's a struggle, Alan, you know, when you are a team like Burnley and, you know, team like Fulham, a team like Brighton Hove Albion, you have to get that balance right. And for Brighton Hove Albion, I just look at a team that, like you said, we're already talking about this, the platform. You just build on it. You keep on going. You have to keep moving forward or you have that bigger threat of going backwards. And that's why, you know, I'm, you know, listen, I'm watching your matches. Like I said, I, I watched a, a, a piece of the Liverpool match. I watched the Manchester United match. I see what's going on there. And I'm just an outsider. I'm just giving you my opinion on, on, on what I'm saying. You obviously live and breathe it, but um. I'm encouraged for you what I'm seeing, but let's move on, my friend. Let's let's get further sure. into this match. And let's talk about strengths and weaknesses of Brighton Hove Albion, according to you. But I want to share some information from whoscore.com. I always like to see what they say about the opposition and see if they match up. So they have characteristics, strengths, weaknesses, and style. And I'll just share that with you. you tell me what you think, and then you share your strengths and weaknesses. This is, this is what it says about strengths for Brighton. 
Stealing the ball from the opposition, very strong. That's the only thing that they list as a strength. The weaknesses, they say, is avoiding offside, avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, both weak, very weak at keeping possession of the ball, and defending set pieces, also very weak. Style of play, attacking down the left, long balls, play with width, playing in their own half. Now, again, I'm just sharing this from whoscore.com. No, no, I wouldn't disagree with that. I wouldn't okay. disagree with that at all. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's become a standing joke that, um, that we, you know, we're just conceding from corners. Um, you know, we were doing it last season, and we've already conceded, I think, two this season. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's become a little bit of a standing joke. Um, what was your thing? Yes, offside. That's Glenn Murray. Thanks very much. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> when, we, when he was here 10 years ago, when we were in the third division, yeah. You know, he he, there was two, he he finished with 22 goals. He could have had 42. But for the amount of times he was offside, it was ridiculous. Um, and even now, you know, he's, he's, he's gone to... He, he went to, to Crystal Palace. So I do apologise for swearing. He went to Crystal Palace. <laughs> he spent a little bit of time at Bournemouth. And he's come back and he still hasn't learned the offside. And it, it drives you around the twist because not only does he get caught offside, sometimes he's in an offside position which takes him out of the game. Yeah. The ball can't be played forward to him because he's not making himself available. He's a great six-yard sniffer. He's a good fellow with his back to the, to the, to the goal, you know, holding off the, the, the central defender. But when it comes to, I mean, because he doesn't have the pace, I think he just still has it in mind that he's got to steal a march on someone. So yes, offside, I can, I can deal with that. What was the, what was the other things you said at the, at the top of that that were quite weak on? I will just tell you in one second. Of course, you tell me that, and I go away from it. It said uh, avoiding <laughs> offside, avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, both weak. Keeping possession of the ball and defending set pieces were both very weak. I think we keep the ball fairly. Often keep the ball fairly well. I think we keep better than better than weak. Um, um, fouling, I think, I think that's that's harsh. Actually, I mean, probably the stats do point out that we do foul, yeah. but then some of the stuff you just think, especially against the bigger sides, you think, you know, are you made of paper, mate? You know, you just throw yourself on the ground. You know, it's almost there does seem to be that the higher you go up the league, the 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 more likely that the player is made of paper and is going to get blown over by a puff of wind. You know, it's 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 pitiable. Um, and it's not as though we're sort of like you know big tough. Sunday league fellas we're not it's just you know challenge for the ball don't sort of throw yourself on the ground because it's pathetic and it drives everyone around the twist so yeah we do sometimes play the long ball over because we have some pace on the width um yes we do sometimes play the ball over the top but you know we, we can play through the middle as well I mean it hasn't sort of like commented on playing through the middle which we are capable of doing but Sometimes I just see too much of the long ball. I mean, we had a League Cup game against Southampton earlier in the week, yeah. and we're playing the long ball to them, and this is against the Mark Hughes side, which is not an intelligent thing to do. So, yeah, it's it's fair, you know fair point. So I don't I don't disagree with those the, for the most part. Okay, very good. All right, I'm going to share their projected lineup for Brighton. Tell me if you agree with it. This is again cool. according to WhoScored.com, and just going by what they're saying, they have Ryan as your goalkeeper, Bong Balagum. Did I say that correctly? Balogun, yeah. Balogun, Balogun, yeah. Of course, I blew that. That's a Goldman. Duffy, Montoya, March, Proper, yeah. Stevens, Knockhart, Gross, and Murray. Probably, yes. I probably would say that. So that's that's the side that pretty much, with the exception of Balogun for Dunk, who came on for, for Dunk anyway after 10 minutes, then that's pretty much the side that, that played against Man U. Um, Bissouma is probably the one of the names you didn't mention. If anyone's going to play, that's a, that's kind of you know forcing his way into the team, it would be Bissouma, okay. um, pro- probably for Gross. Um, but above and beyond that, um, that's probably the starting lineup. 
I mean, I think that, you know, Hewton will look to see if he sees, for instance, that Fulham have a back line which is a bit sort of slow and lumbering, then there's a possibility of more likely to bring Lacardia on rather than Murray just because he can turn them. But, you know, if you've got a quick defender, then probably Murray is the man to play up from. Okay, excellent. Before we go into the prediction section, I just want to talk a little bit about Chris Uden. I want your thoughts on Chris Uden as someone that, that follows uh, Brighton Hove Albion very closely. Like I said, I, I have much respect for him. I want your thoughts on your manager. Okay, I mean, it, I mean, on, on several levels, as a, as a manager, as a, as a trainer, as a coach, I think, I don't think that the, the criticism of him being quite, you know, of being fairly conservative is, 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 you know, particularly harsh. It's not a, a not a harsh criticism. I mean, there is, what, what sometimes we'd like is, is certainly when we're in the championship, you know, we've beaten teams four or five nil, and you know, sorry, we beat Fulham five nil in that particular previous season, um, but. You know, it, it seemed to be almost a lumbering thing. There wasn't sort of like, you know, wave after wave. There was, there is an air of conservatism about him. Um, but having said that, we know he's pragmatic. He, he, he works with what he's got and he understands the, the players. As, as, a, as a man manager, he's probably one of the best there is. He's certainly not a baller. He's not one of those that, you know, will, will scream abuse at the referee or the fourth official um, and, and, and win or lose. He doesn't get two up or two down. Um, off the pitch, you know, away from the football. He, I mean, I've met him a few times. He's one of the most charming, um, easygoing fellas, intelligent. You know, you ask him a, a football question, he'll give you a, a football answer rather than a, uh, um, a, a reporter's answer. You know, I remember asking him about how he felt Liam Rossini was going to get on as a trainer, as a manager or as a coach. And rather than saying, yeah, I think he did, he did pretty well, he gave me a kind of a five-minute lecture as to how he felt, what his, his, his personality and what his... Uh, his charisma and what his his uh, attributes would be, um, and how he was prepared to help him while he was still a player. You know, taking coaching lessons. You know, this is a person who will treat you with dignity and respect, uh, and give you the time of day. He'll give you, you know, he's he's almost literally the fellow who'll give the shirt off your back if if you if you felt you needed it. Um, he's probably one of the not just the nicest men in football. He's probably one of the nicest men on the planet. Wow, that's. Quite an endorsement there, my friend. Very good. All right. And, but someone who actually, I would also say, therefore, for, from our point of view, yep. is also therefore a kind of a living embodiment of what we feel Brighton House Albion should be, you know, a sort of a community club. It's a, um, well, that's great. You know, it's a friendly club. It's an open club. Even sort of like, you know, getting a little bit sort of, you know, uh, uh, hygiene linked here. But even yesterday with the news that it's going to be the first Premier League club to offer free female sanitary products, at the, you know, at, at the game. You know, it's that kind of thing. It kind of has that sort of forward progressive thinking, not even something specifically to do with football, but it is to sure. do with people, to do with women who obviously come to the game. So it's it's that kind of thinking that we have that I think that, um, you know, Chris Hewton is that kind of, you know, it's, it's the progressiveness. That's the word I want to use all the yeah. time is it, we feel we're a progressive club. I'm glad that you share that. That's very interesting because it sounds like he fits exactly into what Brighton and Hove Albion are all about. All yeah. right. Let's end with predictions. Obviously, we will predict the match at the very end, but what I'd like to do is just to get both perspectives from you, one from a Brighton and one from a Fulham perspective. Let's start with what do Brighton need to do to win this match, in your opinion? Um, I think just be a bit more careful and accurate with the passing because we have the pace, we have the, the guile, the skill um, to, to, to get there. So I think just improve on the, the the small bits and pieces the the individual decision making once we do that i wouldn't say we're far, we're we're the, we're the final product yet far from it 
but you know we're going to have a tough game against Fulham. We're not. It's not going to. You know we're not playing rubbish. Um, and what do we have to do? I mean, apart from the obvious, well, score more goals. I would have to say that uh, just sort of, you know, do that little bit extra. Just be that little bit more accurate. Be that little bit more careful with your passing. You know. And, you know, the, we, we could give anyone then a, a good game. So we proved against Man U, we proved against yeah. Liverpool. So, you know, we, we, hopefully we can do it against Fulham as well. Okay, excellent. All right. Now I'm going to do something that not one of my guests likes doing. So I'm just telling you that in advance, Alan. I'm going to put you in the shoes oh. of Slavisio Okanovic, okay? You're in mm-hmm. his shoes because you know you're a club. So I'm going to ask you, how do Fulham beat Brighton Hove Avenue? Knowing how your team plays, so I, I want your thoughts um, how is Fulham going to beat Brighton? I think your best yes. bet is, 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 frankly, is bribe the ref. You know, give him a oh. backhand, give him a bung. You know, that's 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 the best you can. I, um, how are we going to do? I mean, well, certainly, you, you, from from our defensive point of view, and we, we talked about this earlier. Is is corners? Is you know, it's not far short of you getting a yep. penalty. Um, and, and set pieces, you know, sometimes, you know, as, as with the best one in the world, they can set up. And even something like, for instance, I think he's, he's learned it, but Balogun saying, you know, I played in, I played in the, in the Netherlands, I played in Germany, I'm used to zonal marking, and Chris Hewton does man to man marking. So he was found wanting a couple of times, you know, by his own admission. So, sure. you know, hopefully that's been picked up on. But the point is, is that you still have a really good opportunity. If there's a set piece where the ball can be slung in the box, you know, yes, Brighton can defend. It's not as though, you know, you've got a free free shot. But, you know, um, our, our record on that is, is woeful. So, you know, I'm sure that's something that, that you guys would have picked up on ahead of time. Okay, very good there, my friend. All right, before we go to predictions, I just want to share the news because you're probably not aware of this, and I just became aware of this. Fulm's uh, presser just happened with Slavisio Konovic, and he announced that Tom Kearney will not be playing in this match. He was injured in the last match. So that's uh, that's a loss for Fulm. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. I, I think that they have players that can fill in for him. I truly believe that, but we shall see. But I just wanted to mention that. In all fairness, before you give your prediction, I give mine. Is that so, I've got to ask you, Russell? Is that sure. mind games? Because we we actually, I mean, us, us Brighton fans, we all really sure. rate Tom Kenny very highly. I mean, we're, we're all saying if Fulham don't go, there was an air of actually hoping the Villa would win the playoffs because it meant that Tom Kenny would have been a championship <laughs> player and think, oh, we, we fancy him. Whether he'd have come to us is another matter entirely. Well, but think, oh, yeah, we fancy him. So him not playing is it mind a bonus, But is that mind games? And well, if you're going to try a mind game against Chris Hughton. <laughs> it's you're going to try mind games against Chris Hewton, you're going to come sure. unstuck. Sure. It's very interesting that you say that because it's something that I always keep in the back of my mind. The reason why I think it's real is because he did come off injured and uh, there was a report in London Evening Standard that potentially he could be out until October. So I tend to believe right. that it's being true, but you never know. It's a good point for you, you to talk know. about the mind games. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. No, I mean, Tom Kearney missing is actually, I think, is going to be a big miss for Fulham, and hopefully, therefore, our central midfield might be able to boss it a little bit more than, well, I won't say they will because you know Kearney is an excellent player, so yep. you know, it's that, that's a little bit of a bonus for us. Yes, no, it's definitely an advantage for you. That's why I wanted to make sure I mentioned it before <laughs> you shared your prediction. So, give me your prediction, my friend. Well, now I know Kenny's playing. I'll say, I'll say we'll have a repeat of a 5 0 if you don't. No, it's not. That's not going to happen. Sure. Um, we're, we're struggling to keep clean sheets, but we, we, we can score. So I'm going to say 2 1 to the Albion. Okay. And I understand why you're predicting a victory. Even without Kearney, I'm still actually feeling pretty good. So I'm okay. going to predict a draw, which actually would be a decent result for Fulham. I'm going to go 2 2. They're going to okay. be goals. 
And um, I'm looking for, believe it or not, Alexander Mitrovic to score too. He's a dangerous player, and I think uh, I think you're going to find that out at the MX Stadium. That's just my opinion. We'll, we'll see. Absolutely. We'll see who's right here. But I understand why. Yeah, I understand why. Six four for all we know. What was that? It could end up six four for all we know. <laughs> I just think there could be more goals than you think because I think both teams can score. And I'm always fearful of Glenn Murray. I already said that from the beginning, and I can see that you guys <laughs> can score. Very, very fearful. That's all I'm going to say. All right. He before feels, we go, if he fills up for it, if he's mobile, then yeah, he's in the. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you'd be right to be fearful. Yeah, I've seen it too often with, with this player that, uh, especially against Fulham, <laughs> I just you know again I get that back in my mind. Alan, before we go, just tell everyone how they can actually reach you on Twitter if they want to follow you and also the show. Okay, sure. Well, yeah, if you're talking social media, we're on Facebook, so it's facebook.com, Albion Raw. Um, we're on Twitter, at Albion Raw. That's R-O-A-R, not R-A-W, so that's uh, Albion Raw. Uh, you can find us. Um, the, the radio show is on 97.2 FM in the city of Brighton and Hove. We're on DAB. We're online at radioreverb.com, R-A-D-I-O-R-E-V-E-R-B, so that's radioreverb.com. Um, or you can find our podcast, it's audioboom.com, and look for the channel called At The Albion Raw, and you'll find us there, and you'll find well, probably at least, um, oh, that's probably about 60 or 70 shows on there at the moment, going going back about 18 months, and, and if you that's really great. feel like trawling through us, that's, we've got 10 years worth of, of, <laughs> of, of gibberish to get through. Okay, excellent. Before we go, I just want to mention one more time that the show that's going to be shown just in the U.S., I, I wish it was going to be shown in the U.K., called Promoted Fulham FC from NBC Sports Network. will be on Sunday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're a Fulham supporter in the U.S., please do check that out. All right, great show, Alan, but it is time to wrap this up. For my guest, Alan Wares, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.